Be encouraged, church. Know that our God, he knows, he sees, he cares. He has a plan. He knows what he's doing. We can trust him. Let's live by faith. Let's be confident of our God, not in ourselves, not what we can do, but what he can do. And he's doing great things. And I wanna encourage you to know that these are gonna be difficult days. Some of you are already struggling. This isolation is not easy. I'm praying for you, pray for others. Don't think so much on yourself. Remember the church has left the building. You are the church, be the church. Look for ways to serve, look for ways that you can give care. Focus on what God is doing. That's what we want to talk about this morning. God is at work and we are so grateful to get to be a part of it. Let us know how to pray for you. Be sure and go to livehopeful.com this Sunday. You can click on, the, on that link there that says prayer requests. Please let us know how to be praying for you. Know that we will be praying. It's also a link for you to give. Again, if God is your provider, then show him with thanks. Show him with gratitude. Show him with faith. Uh, recognizing that every good gift that, that you have, it comes from him. And your giving is a way to show your faith and to exalt your God. Now, if, if you've earned that, it's all yours. And, and it's not because of anything God has done for you. Then give benevolently, knowing that uh, much of what goes here, what comes to Living Hope, provides not only for the ministries of this church, but for our city and world. We are operating our pregnancy center, our counseling center. There are so many ways that, that God is using what we are doing here. And so again, you can be a part of that. And I wanna encourage you to do that. I'm gonna pray for our offering right now and ask God to bless it and use it. So let's pray together. Father, I know uh, that many are learning to give in a different way. I know that electronic giving is not something our family has done. We've always felt more comfortable putting a check in the plate. But in these times, Lord, we trust you. And so we're giving electronically. And we pray that others will as well. And we pray, God, that you would continue to bless us and provide for us. We trust you for this. We trust that every good thing comes from you. And that what we have is a part of your providential care. And what we have is meant to be given. And so we give, we give generously, we give uh, sacrificially in, in some ways. And we ask, oh God, that you would use these resources to benefit your kingdom purpose, that it would help people, not only in our city, but around the world through the ministries of this church. And we thank you for this church. We ask your blessing on this church in Jesus name, amen. I do wanna encourage you to be sure and look at the bulletin and you'll notice that the uh, awakening prayer is there. Be praying for that, be praying for an awakening. Uh, continue to pray on Wednesdays for revival. We're anticipating God reviving his church and bringing about an awakening. God always uses these, these kind of critical times. You know, this year we're still, we're still looking with 2020 vision at what God can do. We understand that God has the power to transform lives, that God has the power to bring comfort where there's pain. He can heal what is broken. This is the, the God of the Bible and, and he is to be feared and he is to be worshiped and he's to be trusted and he's to be looked to as the leader. And everyone who does understands our responsibility is to impact, to impact others with what God has done for us. And so we're talking about impacting our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And so be mindful that that's what we're aiming to do. And in each series that we're walking through this year, we're looking at different ways that we need to see God at work. And what we're seeing right now is that God is at work in our home. What we see is that God is doing something significant, not only in us, but through our, our houses, our homes. See how homes are made healthy. Here's what we know. When homes are healthy, societies are healthy. So we're studying about how it is our homes can be all that God 
wants them to be. Now, last week we learned how to cultivate the individual heart of each person in our home. We looked at the prophecy of Ezekiel to understand God's will and God's way. Now, this Sunday, we're going to be looking at divine appointments. We're gonna be looking at these significant and very special ways that God is at work in our lives in particular moments. Now, we understand, and I don't think I have to make the point that we're in the midst of a strange time. This is a time, though, that has not caught our God by surprise. I don't fully understand Psalm 139, verse 16, but I believe it. Here's what Psalm, uh, Psalm 139, verse 16 says. You, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written. Every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Before a day began, God was sovereign over it. He knew what he was doing and he has a plan for it all. It, it is under his care. Now we have to link Psalm 139 verse 16 with Hebrews 9:27. Hebrews 9:27 tells us this, and just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. Judgment comes because we're all responsible. God is sovereign, but we are responsible. And within that is reality. God's sovereignty, our responsibility. And so in strange times like these, we can know God is, is sovereign, but we can also know that we are responsible and what we do now matters. We need to be looking for how God is at work. We need to understand that strange times require great faith. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has gifted us to believe and to know that he is God, to know that his word is true so that we can believe, so that we can walk with him, so that we can engage in what he's doing in the world and fulfill the divine appointments that the Lord has for us. The Lord does have these special moments. We need to be looking for them. We need to engage in them. And our text today shows us how. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to the book of Acts. Now, you will need a Bible this morning. We're going to look at, uh, I'm going to read a, a significant section of scripture beginning in Acts chapter 19. Now, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 9. Uh, we're also going to go back. I'm going to give you a little bit of the background of the history leading up to this text as it pertains to the Apostle Paul and his ministry and what God was doing in the world at that time. So if you would, in honor of God's word, let's all stand together. I know you're probably all comfortable and cozy. A friend said last week when I said this that he was washing dishes. And so <laughs> he said, I'm the only one that's standing. And so everyone had to stand up. So out of just, uh, again, respect for the word of God, let's stand. And I'm going to begin reading in verse nine, a significant section of scripture. It's a narrative and it really focuses on uh, three people that were transformed by the gospel and, and God's work in the world. So uh, let's focus there. This is again, Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse nine. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail for Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following days to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia 
from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and, and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And, she, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing the city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joining in attacking, uh, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into to prison, ordering the jailers to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfashioned. When the jailer woke and saw, what, uh, saw that the prisoner's doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoner had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are he all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them this, that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them into his house and set food before him. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. You may be seated. So let's get some background on this. Keep your Bibles open, if you will, in uh, the book of Acts. And let's understand what's led to this moment. This, these, these interactions with uh, Lydia and the slave girl and the jailer, these were all divine appointments given by God to the apostle and his mission team. Now, how did we get to this point? Now, if you go back to Acts chapter 9, you see where the apostle Paul was miraculously saved. He was an enemy of Jesus Christ and he was persecuting the church and Jesus showed up and literally knocked him off his high horse and gave him new life. And Paul was radically saved. Now, if you look at 25, at verse 25 of Acts uh, uh, chapter nine, between Acts uh, verse 25 and verse 26, there's 13 years. Uh, between those two verses. So you got a little space in your Bibles. You might just want to write 13 years later. So during that time, he went to Arabia. He also had to do a lot of studying, having studied under Gamaliel, the, the great uh, scholar of, of his day. Paul had a lot of things that he had to connect together to understand that Jesus is the Messiah and what that meant and how uh, he was going to now minister in, in the name of Jesus by the 
power of the Holy Spirit according to the will of the Father. Now, he went back to Jerusalem. You see there in verse 26, and when he got there, they didn't believe that he was actually a disciple of Jesus. And so the, the leaders wouldn't meet with him, but Barnabas came alongside and invited him in. In verses 27 and 28, you see Barnabas, that son of encouragement, what his name literally means, brought Paul in and Paul was accepted as someone who was now a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, after that, Paul went back to his hometown in Tarsus and, and God began to do a work throughout the city. Uh, Barnabas was sent to Antioch and there was a revival taking place there and an awakening and Barnabas went and got Paul from Tarsus and brought him back there. And so you see that in Acts chapter 11, verse 25. And so there's a movement of God. And it was there that the, the people were first called Christians. And there was a, a great movement of God. And so the church there set aside Paul and Barnabas to go on a mission trip. And so that's what you see happening in Acts chapter 13 through 14. And so you see here the, the, the missionary journeys of Paul. They went from Antioch to Cyprus, uh, then up to Perga, Italia, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby. There were all kinds of amazing things that happened there in chapters 13 and 14. And then in chapter 15, they're called back to Jerusalem to give an account for their ministry. And so you see this council in Jerusalem trying to determine whether or not the apostle was preaching the, the word of God. And, and thankfully, the, the spirit of God led the people there so that they understood that Paul's ministry was of God. This was the will of God. And after that council, and the gospel was clear, Paul and Barnabas were ready to again go on mission, but they had a sharp disagreement and they parted ways. And so what we see in, in chapter 16 is Paul and Silas now going on mission. And the first thing they did was they went back to the, the churches where they had set up uh, with Paul and, and Barnabas, Derby, Iconium in the, this area of Galatia. And then they, they went into Asia, and it was, it was Paul's desire to go into Asia, but that was not the will of God. Instead, as you see in, in, in verse 9 of Acts chapter 16, that the Spirit of God led them out of Asia into Macedonia, into Europe. And that's where our story picks up. Take note, understand this. God is at work accomplishing His will and does not need buildings, programs, or curriculum. Now, these things are not bad. These are very good things. They're good tools, but, but God is bigger. And what God has chosen to work through is his people. Now he uses the gifts of his people to create technology, to provide for buildings, to provide uh, all kinds of, of, of great teaching tools. And there are so many ways that our God is at work. And so these are good things, but God is bigger. It, it really is about God and it's about his people. See, God has chosen to work through his people. See, the church has left the building. We don't have to be in the same place to worship, thankfully, because of technology. But after we gather for worship, which is normative, which is typical, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 tells us that, after we leave from worship, we go into the world. We go and we make disciples. We go and the church leaves the building. And so you have left the building and you are now on mission and you need to be looking for divine appointments. Divine appointments are these special times where God shows up and he chooses to work. Let me give you an easy definition. A divine appointment is joining God in accomplishing his work in the world. 
God is at work in the world and he has chosen to work through his church, through his people. And so we have a responsibility to join God in what he's doing. Now, what our text shows us, and there's three, three things I would encourage you to note are what these divine appointments, what happens when they're going on. The first thing to note is this, divine appointments happen when God's people are living on mission. You'll notice that Paul and his team were right where God wanted them to be. It was not an accident that Paul was in Europe. It wasn't by accident that he was in Macedonia. God called him there. By faith, they were looking for God where he was at work and responding to the needs in order to do God's work. Again, they didn't sit on their hands. Again, they also didn't come up with some elaborate plan of what they wanted to do and, and ask God to bless what they wanted to do. Look what they did. Look, if you will, in Acts chapter 16, verse 13. Let's look exactly at what they did. And on the Sabbath day, we, you'll now notice that, that Luke has joined them uh, in their journey uh, on the, that second missionary journey with Silas. Uh, they picked up Timothy, they picked up Luke, they picked up uh, different leaders who became a part of this movement of God, a part of his missionary team. We went outside the gate to the riverside where we suppose there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Now, look what they did. They gathered as they were supposed to. Now, in order for there to be a synagogue, Paul's typical method was to go into a Jewish synagogue and there teach from the Old Testament, the gospel of God and the revelation of Jesus. Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. There, has to be t there had to be 10 Jewish men to form a synagogue. Apparently there weren't enough men to form a synagogue there. And so if that wasn't the case, there was usually an open air place, usually by a river, something like, like that, that people, God's people would go and pray. And this is what happened. And typically what they would do in their worship gatherings is they would open the scripture, they would pray, and they would discuss what the scripture had to say to them in that day, trusting in the power of God to do it. Now, like them, uh, we are not meeting in a building. We're not in our typical space. We're not, you know, where we would typically and, and comfortably gather and sit and discuss God's word. Instead, we're where God wants us. You are right where God wants you. He, you're not at home by accident. You're not under quarantine by accident. You're not, you're not sitting where you are right now by accident. This is God's will. God has a plan for you where he has you. And we need to be about what God is doing. So what did they do? They had a gospel conversation. They started talking about the Bible. This is again, their normal practice. Now having a conversation about the Bible, for some folks, it's not easy, but you gotta understand it can be, it should be in a lot of ways. See, the Bible, the Bible is something that almost everyone is interested in. Now, they're not necessarily interested in what I have to say or necessarily interested in what you have to say, but they do wanna know what the Bible says. And having a conversation about what the Bible says, not what we think, but what the Bible says is very easy. It's, it's very simple and it's very powerful. You know, before I came to faith, I had some friends who were lost like me, but some of them went to church and they would occasionally talk about the Bible and they would tip, sometimes talk about things that they were learning. And I remember a friend of mine once talking about this, this book of Revelation and it scared me. And I remember jokingly this friend saying to me, 
that is, things don't look too good for you. And they all kind of laughed and I kind of laughed, but it terrified me because I thought this might be true. I mean, what, what may be happening is right here. And I'm gonna tell you that was 35 years ago. And I still remember that conversation because there is something powerful about the Bible. When, it, when it, the Bible is spoken of, there's a power in that. When, when we say what the Bible says, when we teach what the Bible says, not what we think, but what the Bible says, there's something wonderful about it. Isaiah 55, 11 gives us this great promise about God's word. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word has power. And when God's word goes out, it does something significant. It does something that, that we couldn't do. Uh, the Bible has the ability to, to cut and to open eyes and to illuminate. You know, one of the best ways I've learned to have gospel conversations this year is with three big things. I have led several people to faith in Christ simply by having a Bible conversation. That's what three big things is. It's not, it's not a track. It's not something that you can just kind of read and give to other people. It, it's a conversation that you have about the Bible. You're not sharing necessarily like, you know, as the teacher, you're basically saying, tell me what you think. Tell me what you think this says. And, and just having a conversation about what the Bible says. I wanna encourage all of our membership to get trained in three big things. If you don't have time right now, we understand. Uh, we know many of you are, are medical professionals. Those of you who are shelving groceries and, and, and providing other services, we're praying for you. We thank God for you and we wanna encourage you. Those of you, some of you have a little bit more time than, than usual. I know there's some of you that have children at home and you're thinking, this is crazy. Again, we don't want to make your life more crazy. But if there is an interest, if there's an availability, email us at info at lhbg.org and we will be glad to train you. We have, we have pastors, leaders that have been trained and we will contact you and let you be a part of what God is doing with this. Understand, Paul and his team, they were living on mission. They were where they were supposed to be. They were looking for opportunities to serve God. They were having gospel conversations. Second thing to note is this, divine appointments happen when God's power is changing lives. God intervened in each of these three people in the life of Lydia, this girl, and this jailer. Now, Lydia, her transformation came through a natural conversation and a supernatural movement of God. Look in verses 14 through 15, specifically in the last part of verse 14, as we, Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper guard. Look at this. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord opened her heart. The Lord was moving. And, and after she was baptized, so she came to a, a point of conversion. Now understand, God alone has the power to convict. God alone has the power to open hearts. God alone has the power to change lives by grace through faith in Christ alone. We can't do it. All we can do is have the conversation about what the Bible says. All we can do is speak of our own testimony of how God has been at work. As people hear the truth, God does the work. That's what Romans chapter 10 verse 17 is all about. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's the word of Christ. It's what, it's what God's word has said that changes lives. Our testimonies are helpful. Our insights are helpful. But what really does the work is the Holy Spirit and his word. And we need to be able to share God's word. We understand that the Bible is divided up into four sections, creation, fall, rescue, and 
and restoration. We know that these four sections of scripture, they explain every fundamental question of every human being. Where am I from? What went wrong? Who can fix it? Is there any reason to have hope? Where am I from? You've been made in the image of God. What went wrong? The fall, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Can anyone fix it? Yes, Jesus Christ has come to rescue us. Is there any reason to have hope? Yeah, there's a restoration that is coming in the second coming of Jesus Christ and God will bring us home. This world is not our home, that is our hope. But here's what we also know. There is a truth, there is a reality that the, that the scripture reveals, but each of us has a responsibility, something we must do in order to pursue and recover God's design. See, we have to repent and believe the gospel. We have to believe in, in, in who the Bible says Jesus is. The Bible says he's God, that he's the one who paid for sins with his death, that he has defeated death through his resurrection, that he is alive, the Holy Spirit has come, and now we can have life in him. To have that life, we have to repent. That means turn away from, from our self-sufficiency, stop trusting in us, other institutions, what other people can do, what we can do. Instead, we say, God, I trust what you can do. I believe that Jesus Christ is God and died for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me and take over my life. I believe in you. If you don't do that, you're gonna be stuck in sin and brokenness. I highly recommend even today that you repent and believe the gospel. Lydia repented and believed the gospel and her life was transformed. Now there was a need that was met through the apostle. Uh, this little girl, we read about it. What Paul did is kind of hilarious. I, when I read it, I just laugh in verse 18, Paul gets annoyed. And he's like, all right, enough of you. And he says to the demon, I command you in the name of Jesus, get out of her. This was a miracle. You know, God has the power to free people from what oppresses them. Now we can't all do miracles, but we can all seek to provide healing and justice to this world. There are so many people in our city and our world who are oppressed. We must give whatever gifts and abilities we have to help people. And the best thing any of us can do is show and share the love of God, assist people with practical needs. We, uh, we encouraged you uh, Thursday night to use a card. Again, you don't have to, but we encouraged you, hey, use a card. And we put it up on social media. If you didn't see that, you can go to my Instagram, the church's Instagram, church's Facebook. And there's a simple card uh, that we encourage everyone, prayer walk your neighborhood, pray for every single person in every single home. And if you want to, you can take that card and put it on their door. And again, no social interaction, but they could fill that out. They can contact you and you can, help maybe provide needs, if, if anything, just to remind people that they're not alone and there really are people who care about them. This is one of the ways that we can be of use to God. We need to let people know not only about what we can do, but what the church can do. Here at Living Hope, our pregnancy center, our counseling center, they are active, they are working. And again, if folks need help, we have a minister on call, we have a lot of resources that we can make available. We know that there are a lot of people who are needing help and God has the power to provide this help. And we can do that as the church, as the church has left the building to go out and provide these needs. Now, this miracle got Paul put in jail. We have to understand that the evil of this world does not like it when we go and do God's work. It will often want to keep people oppressed. When we go and, and, and love people, when we go and meet needs, when we go and we, we stand up for the voiceless, when we go and, and we, we seek to, to uh, show people truth and reality and love and what God can do in their life, the evil one doesn't want to give them up. The evil one is going to fight against us. And so what happened to Paul is what happened to a lot of people 
people who stand for the love of Christ. They, they were arrested, they were beaten, they, there was a great pain. As they were seeking to provide justice, there was an injustice to them. We don't need to fear that. Let me unpack this a little bit about what happened when Paul and Silas went to jail. Understand God did more miracles. First of all, one miracle that God did is that God gave them peace. I mean, I want you to look at verse 26 and think about what's the, what this means. They've been arrested in a strange city by people that are not their people group. They've been beaten. They have been placed into a jail. They are shackled. And what are they doing? Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. What a strange night in that prison. What a strange sound to those prisoners to hear these men praising God, to hear them praying to their God. This is the kind of thing God does for his people. In the midst of difficulty, he gives us a song in the night. He gives us the ability to trust in him. And that's what was happening there. You know, one of my heroes of the faith is a man by the name of Eric Little. You can, you can hear a little bit or you can see a little bit about Eric's story in the movie Chariots of Fire. If you're looking for a good movie right now to watch, find Chariots of Fire and, and show that. It's the, it's the story of Eric Little and how he won the Olympic gold in not his particular uh, forte, his particular run. Uh, it was in the 400 that he won it. It's a great story. But, but Eric Little, after the Olympics and everything else, he went on to be a missionary to China. And it's really interesting. The area where he was ministering is pretty close to the area where the, uh, where the uh, Chinese virus started out, where the coronavirus started in this area. He was here and he was a, he was a prisoner of war here. It was actually during World War II. One of the things that was interesting, his, his, the story that came out about him was that Eric was almost always teaching the children songs about Jesus and teaching the Bible and playing games with them and encouraging them. He was always a voice of hope in, in, that, in that place of confinement. Friends, here we are in a place of confinement. What is God calling us to do? Gripe, complain, play the blame game about who knew what, when, and, and, and why, and how, how they're wrong, and the government shouldn't control us, and the government should have done more. Listen, that's not helping anybody. You know what the world needs? The world needs to hear the praise of his people. The, the world needs to hear the praise of God and the prayers of God's people. They need helpers. Pastor David said on Thursday night, uh, quoting uh, Mr. Rogers, I, I really appreciate it. When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. We need to be the helpers. We need to be the people that, that, that when the world looks, they see the church has left the building, that the church is there helping. That's what God has called us to do. There are divine appointments that you need to be having with your neighbors, with your family this week, helping, providing hope, providing encouragement. We, we understand that, that in these moments, yeah, God not only gave them peace, but he also opened doors. Look in verse 26, and let's think about why God opened these doors. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. You know, God always provides for his purpose. Now God uh, opened those doors, but it wasn't so Paul and those prisoners could escape. 
It was so that that jailer who was imprisoned in his own sin could be freed from the punishment and power of sin so that he could be saved. This was not like in Acts chapter 12, go back and read that later, when, when Peter was imprisoned and the angel opened the doors and he, that was so that Peter could be freed. That's not why God shook with the earthquake. That's not why the prison doors were open. The prison doors were open so that this man could be free. Friends, you're where God wants you. God is gonna open doors if you'll look for those open doors. And open doors are again, pictures of how God is opening people's hearts. Look for how God is opening your children's hearts. Look for how God is opening your neighbor's hearts. Look for every generation, the seniors who are around you to the youngest children around you, pray for them. Ask God to enable their hearts to be open, to know the truth of the gospel and to be saved and take advantage of this time. Understand it's gonna be over soon. We don't know how long this is going to last. This opportunity, this window to be where we are, to be on mission for God, take full advantage of it. And understand that God is gonna provide an opportunity to share the hope. And that's what happened in 27 through 31. Paul shares the gospel with this, with this man. And what happens is he believes. Verses 32 through 34, this man comes to saving faith. He is then baptized. You know, when we talk about three big things, we're talking about the three things that God does. He, 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 when we believe, he, he makes us a believer. When we're baptized, he receives glory. When we become an ambassador, we become people who are about God's mission. And so this is what happened with this man. He believed, he was baptized, and he himself became an ambassador of the love of God and provided care and the needs of, of, the, of his now church and God's work in the world. Now, this is what God is doing. This is how God is working. The third thing I would encourage you to take note is this. Divine appointments happen when God's purpose is being done. The will of God is to save a people for himself, for his glory. The will of God is, is recorded in Titus chapter 2, 13 and 14. Our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify, to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. God saves us for his purpose. God saves us to be his possession. God is working to save a people for himself that he loves, that he redeems, that he rules, that he guides and leads and provides divine appointments for. God has called us to join him in his work. And, and this, this calling is a commission. Matthew 28, we read this often. Have you memorized this yet? If you can, say it out loud with me, right there where you are in your home or wherever you are. Read this out loud with me, say it. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What do you see there? Make disciples so that they can believe. Baptize them and then teach them to observe all that I've commanded so that they can be an ambassador. Remember, God's purpose is going to be done. He is going to have a people from every tribe and tongue. Revelation 7 promises that. Revelation 7, beginning in verse 9. 
After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm, uh, with, in white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. This is the promise of God. He's going to save a people for himself. He's calling us to be a part of sharing this good news. He's calling us to share his love so that others can know. I wanna challenge you in this dramatic moment in human history to be on mission. Be the church that has left the building and to share the hope we have. These are strange times. I saw this, uh, I saw this comic on uh, World Magazine. You know, last week, hey, uh, you kids ready for school? Yep, yeah, bye, Dad. I'm off to work. Me too. Have a good day. Now, you know, I don't know if your kids are like that. Wouldn't that be great? You know, and, and, and then here over here, and, uh, you know, too bad that's not a dog. But, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, there's things there, right? But this is the reality of our world. It's a different time. This is a special moment. God's at work in a special way. Are you joining him in that work? Are you available? Are you saying, God, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you on live streams, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday night. Uh, kids at youth group on Wednesday night, next Sunday in our children's ministry, if they gather, where are you? Are you going to your neighbors? Are you praying for them? Are you praying for your family? Are you willing to have these conversations? Are you being trained to have these conversations with three big things? Friends, this is, a, this is an important moment in history. It's an important moment in our lives. God is at work. We can join him. Let's pray. Father God, we know that you are all powerful. We know that you have great love for your people, your church. And we know that you have divine appointments for us. Lord God, I know there's some who are listening even right now who've never repented and believed the gospel. They've never turned away from themselves, their self-sufficiency. They've never believed that Jesus, that you are God, that you died to pay for the punishment of their sin, to free them so that they can be with you and live with you forever. Lord God, I pray for some right now, right there where they are, they would say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I don't, I don't trust in me. I don't trust in the things of this world. I trust in you, Lord Jesus. I believe that you are my savior. Please forgive me, take over my life. Lead me so that I can pursue and recover God's design and be a part of your work in the world. Some of you who are, who are struggling, renew your faith commitment to Jesus Christ. Right now, just tell him, Lord, I'm anxious, I'm down, I'm discouraged, whatever you are, and renew your faith commitment to him that you're gonna trust him, that you're gonna live for him, that you're gonna serve him. Ask God to empower the church. The church has left the building. Now ask God to empower us to serve our homes, our neighbors and every generation by impacting them with the hope of Jesus, not just benevolence, gospel work. Father, we thank you that because of your grace, it is well with our souls. Because you, Holy Spirit, have given us life and sealed us until the day of judgment. Because you, Lord Jesus, have died for our sins and been raised. And Father God, you have adopted us into your eternal family. 
it is well with our souls. We can go through any challenge knowing that you have a plan, knowing that you are with us, knowing that you are good. God, give us hope in that, to walk in your ways. We promise to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his eternal lasting peace. Go impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus because the church has left the building. Amen.